0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. morning. Okay, we're going to get started here. My name is uh, Ann Brash. My name is Ann Brash. I'm a member of the ACB uh, Women's Committee, and we're glad to welcome you all here with us. We know you're going to have a great time, first of all, because on the menu... On the menu, we're having quiche for breakfast. <laughs> oh, good! That means everybody likes quiche. That's wonderful. And secondly, we have two two marvelous speakers, so I know that you're going to enjoy them. They are uh, they've got quite a good uh, things to say, and, and they are very they are very excited about being here. Okay, so first of all, let me um introduce uh, the the rest of uh, our women's committee. Um, We don't exactly have a head table uh, today, so kind of everybody is everywhere, so let me just introduce the uh, committee here. Uh, Our co-chairs of the committee are Linda Perrell and Mary Ellen Frost, and you'll meet Mary Ellen in a second because she's gonna be running around with a microphone for you guys to introduce yourselves. The rest of the committee, we have uh, Cheryl Cummings, Donna Pomerantz, Lori Sharp, Rachel Schroeder, Leslie Spoon, our board liaison is Katie Frederick, and our staff liaison is Kelly Gasp. And the two uh, speakers that we have that I know are at the uh, table up here are Kathy Schmidt-Whitaker and Sarah Conrad, and you will be hearing from them uh, in a few minutes. But okay, so um, the rest of the head table will be introduced. um, uh, I believe that Mary Ellen's gonna start at the back. If you wanna just say your name and where you're from, that way we'll know uh, who everybody's here, and then after that we'll just uh, have a few more minutes to eat and Good morning introduce everyone, the speakers. thank you so much for joining us. Every year
1: our attendance grows, and it just shows how powerful women are in ACB. Thank you so much for joining us. And now I'll pass the mic to our first guest so you can know who she is.
0: Hi, it's Denise Decker from Washington, D.C. I'm an attendee. I'm happy to be here. Uh, I'm happy that we're holding
1: this event. <laughs> Carolyn Burley from Canton, Ohio.
2: Marilyn Pifa, Westerville, Ohio.
3: Amanda Lannan, Orlando, Florida.
4: Sheila Young, Orlando, Florida. Artis Bazin, Burbank, California. Nellie Emerson, Santa Maria, California. I'm Suzanne Ament from Christiansburg, which is near Roanoke, Virginia. And I've been part of AABT, but this is my first convention since, what, 17 or 18 years ago. So.
1: <laughs>
4: Donna Hepper, Bismarck,
1: North Dakota. Lois Hines, Rochester, New York. Yes. Darian and Fleming, Portland, Oregon. Debbie Young from Ringo, Georgia. Rachel Schroeder, Springfield, Illinois. Janet
5: Dickelman, St. Paul, Minnesota. Marsha Farrow, Somerville, Georgia. Jane Lund, Bloomington, Minnesota. Good morning, this is Zelda Gemhardt from Edgeley, North Dakota.
4: in here, here Gamble. Judy Jackson, Stuart Strath, Virginia. Denise Cawley, ACB board member, Lacey Washington. Kathy Gerhardt, Poland, Ohio formerly Pennsylvania and West Virginia. Christy Crespin, Highland, California.
5: Miller from Camarillo,
3: California.
2: Margaret
4: Johnson from Paragould, Arkansas. Little Rock, Arkansas. Bonnie Robertson, Minneapolis,
0: Minnesota. Chris Hunsinger, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Suzanne Erb, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, first-timer.
6: Ooh, nice. Welcome.
0: Jean...
1: Dowitz Rogers, New York.
6: Terry Lynn, everbeach Beach, Hawaii.
0: Sharon Ige, Pearl City,
5: Hawaii. Uh, Pamela Metz, Chatsworth, California. Amanda Brenton, Gainesville, Florida.
0: Lena Coral, Somerville, Massachusetts. Danette Dixon, Seattle, Washington. Cin-
4: <laughs> Cindy Van Winkle, Minneapolis, Minnesota.
6: Leslie Spoon, Orlando, Florida. Sarah Conrad, Madison, Wisconsin. Good morning,
3: Kathy Schmidt Whitaker, Los Angeles, California. We still have a few
1: people coming in, so
5: here you are, Madam. Thank you.
1: Um, Cheryl Cummings, Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, did I miss anyone? Good
2: morning, Justin.
1: Brooke Jostag, uh, Fort Collins, Colorado.
2: Good morning. This is Donna Pomerantz from Pasadena, California, and a c- happy committee member. My name is Barbara Hearn, and I'm from Middle Tennessee, and I'm Mary Ellen's sister.
1: All righty. I will try to catch anyone else that comes in, but uh, for right now, there's no one at the door. So when Ann is ready, uh, we will proceed with our program. Enjoy your breakfast. It looks
0: wonderful going past me, so I hope everybody gets a chance to eat. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you have all gotten your breakfast and that you're enjoying it. How's everybody enjoying breakfast? Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. We're going to get started um, so that we have time for both speakers, and um, hopefully, then maybe time for questions. We have till eight uh, fifteen, I believe. So, let me just introduce our first speaker. Uh, And she earned her bachelor's degree in social ecology from the University of California at Irvine, and her doctorate in organizational leadership from the University of Laverne. She's been the president of ACB's National Alliance of Blind Students, served on the California Council of the Blind Website Development Task Force, led the development and implementation of the Dr. Samuel Janeski Video Magnifier Memorial Awards Program. That, that's a program where vendors donate magnifiers. She's now the chair of the ACB Scholarship Committee Graduate Subcommittee. Her employment is at Cal Poly Paloma University with a student services focus. And she's right now the Executive Director for Accessible Technology. So here she is, Dr. Catherine schmidt Whitaker.
3: Well, we're in our fifth day of the convention. i And I'm, our brains are needing to wake up this morning. So I'd like you to put down anything that you have in your hands. Like you take your fingertips and tap the top of your head. Tap the top of your head. Continue tapping, because we're going to wake up our brain. I wonder, when was the last time you thanked someone? Did you thank a volunteer? Did you thank your partner? Did you thank your brain? Our brain is very important to us, so we're gonna thank our brain this morning. Repeat after me. I love my brain. You are marvelous, my brain. Thank you, my brain, for walking me through the zigzag from hotel to hotel. I am grateful for you, my brain. Okay, you can stop tapping and just. If you'd like, or you can continue tapping if you'd like, that's (laughs) fine. But just take a moment to feel and breathe. We have the opportunity to give ourselves a treat. That treat is to embrace our vision. I want to share a story with you. When I was a child growing up in elementary school, I was teased a lot. Were you teased as a child? Yeah. Everybody I know has been teased as a child. It's a struggle. As a, ch- as a child w- who was born legally blind, I had thick Coke bottle glass rimmed glasses. And I had to hold the paper really close to my eyes to be able to see the print on the page. I had a hard time identifying boys and girls. And so I felt awkward and teased a lot. One summer day when I was 10 years old, my family joined a swim club. And I saw kids swimming back and forth in the pool. And I thought, I, I want to do that. And my sister said, what, swim back and forth? How boring. I thought, no, how exciting. I love water, I loved swimming, and I had lots of energy. I began as a swimmer, and I remember the first swim meet I participated in. It was a club meet that really wasn't formal. It was to introduce us newbies to the swimming race. I was standing on the block. It was a 25-yard freestyle. The sun was beating down on me. It was a beautiful day. And all I could think about was, I want to get to the end of that 25 yards without breathing. (laughs) On your marks, beep. I dove into the pool, remember, kick, 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 stroke, 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 don't breathe, stroke, 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 don't breathe. (laughs) What do you think I felt and said when I got to the end of the pool? (laughs) And oh, good to breathe. That 25 yards changed my life. That 25 yards, I felt (laughs) empowered. I felt that I was on an equal playing field with my peers. I could swim just as well as they could. It was amazing. I continued to swim and I also learned the power of the brain. I also learned the importance of having a goal. My goal was the 25 yard freestyle, and completing it. What's your 25 yard experience that has changed your life? In the process, I learned about embracing my vision. I'm not talking about sight. I'm talking about purpose. We can create our own vision, whether it's small, or large. To do that, there are three components that are important to me. First is the mindset, goals, and taking action. Mindset, creating the space and the belief in ourselves is important. Remember the tapping I had you do? We're creating space when we tap or participate in meditation or yoga or exercise or even sitting by a babbling brook. That is an opportunity for our brain to connect and to realize the potential. As a swimmer, at the beginning of each season, we were asked to identify what is it that you want to accomplish this season. Think beyond the comfort zone and push yourself. Having the ability to be present with mind enables you to have that experience. I swam competitively at the local level, high school, and then also with the uh, International Games for the Disabled, which is now known as the Paralympics. It was an exciting time. It was also an opportunity for me to learn a lot about myself and the power of positive thinking as well as setting goals and taking action. In addition to mindset, the goal setting is important. I remember as, a, as setting the goal for swimming that I would set what I believed was maybe a slightly unattainable goal. But I always kept my, that picture in my mind and that goal and knew that each swim, ra- swim workout that I had was contributing to building to reaching that goal. Likewise, working at the university in student services, I decided I wanted to move into administration. And in order to do that, I learned that I would probably need a doctorate. It would help me to gain that opportunity, that, uh, the ability to move into different fields. To earn a doctorate takes a lot of perseverance and resiliency. I learned that taking baby steps to reach my goal, the ultimate goal of earning a doctorate, was really critical. I worked full-time, as well as attended the doctoral program full-time. When I got home from work in the evening, I was tired. And I said, oh, I don't know if I want to study tonight. But my brain, I had a choice. That choice enabled me to move forward. I would say to myself, I know you're tired, but you also can spend a half an hour working on the baby step. Whether it was reading an article, providing an appropriate source citation, or working on rewriting another paragraph. If I worked on one baby step during the half an hour, and if I still was too tired, I told myself I could stop. The fact I gave myself a choice enabled my brain to feel like it, would, uh, it was capable of moving forward. Oftentimes, I would start and actually, I would be well on my way to continuing to work after that half an hour because I was already in the motion. And that leads me to the third area, taking, uh, take action. So you heard the saying, a body in motion stays in motion, a body at rest stays at rest. Well, I believe in that wholeheartedly. Sometimes it's that jump start that you need that giving myself that choice to take a baby step for half an hour was my jump start to taking action and staying in motion i encourage you to think about what is your jump start to getting yourself uh, in motion sometimes as a person who is legally blind and not able to drive i feel the barrier of transportation. I'm involved with Toastmasters International, which is a communication and leadership organization. There is what is called a legacy program to earn the highest level of distinction, the DTM, or the, the, uh, the Distinguished Toastmaster. Legacy is quite fitting for me because I've been working on the plan for the past 20 years. However, I haven't made much progress in many years because the, one of the final steps is to serve as a district officer. The district, in my case, is a, crosses three county lines. Now, Toastmasters has said the legacy program will be going away in June 2020. Any Every effort that I've made up to this point will not count after June 2020. So, I faced a choice. Do I complete the district office level plus two other activities, or do I let it go? I decided I wanted to continue on and I wanted to br- embrace my vision of earning a DTM. I decided I'd take action and become a district officer. And what I realized is that when I I embraced the choice, I also gave myself permission to think about other ways of reaching that goal. Uber was great because it helped me get across multiple county lines versus paratransit. Also, I realized that I could you know, contact other Toastmasters and say, oh, are you going to this event, uh, this contest? Are you going to this club meeting? Can we carpool? So reaching out a little bit more. I also developed friendships with some people in different clubs that actually wound up offering to provide uh, to carpool together. These opportunities that I was able to take advantage of also increased my friendship with others. I am happy to say that last year, I was able to serve in a district role and completed that role in June 2019. Thank you. I still have two other activities to do to complete my Distinguished Toastmaster uh, requirements. However, I feel that I have overcome the, what I perceived as the biggest barrier to my success. I encourage you to th- create your, embrace your vision, whether it's small or large, and to create the mindset, to establish the goals, and to take action to overcome the perceived barriers to be successful. And the next time somebody asks you, what is your vision? I hope you will say, excellent, while my eyesight may be poor. (laughs) And?
0: Just get the microphone settled again here, our second, spea- our second speaker is a licensed attorney in the state of Wisconsin. She's a trained mediator and has a certificate in trauma-informed work and patient advocacy. She served as a director of ACB's Board of Directors for seven years. She's been the president of ACB Students, and is currently president of CCLVI, and she's a part-time online instructor of English as a second language for young students in China. She has a number of hobbies, and I will let her tell you about all of this. Sarah Conrad.
6: I'm glad Kathy could wake you guys up this morning. I know she woke me up. That was good. Wonderful. It is such a privilege. Sorry, the mic is falling. Okay. Let me. Woo, it does. Hmm. One moment. There we go. I think I got it to stay. Okay. Cross our fingers. It is a privilege to speak with you, incredible ladies, today. Thank you so much for this opportunity. You know, for years I have attended this breakfast, and I have listened to so many women I look up to who have shared their stories. Every year, the, inc- the incredible committee places women of influence before you to share something that may empower all of us as women. I'm not quite sure how I earned my place in that list of influential women, but I am incredibly honored and blessed to be here today, so thank you. This morning, I want to talk with you about a very important topic for all of our lives, and that is empowering you to realize your worth. Worth. It's not what... Oh, excuse me. Worth—it's what you... the microphone just fell on my face. Okay. Um, there's a handheld. I'm gonna try that. Let me see. Can you hear me here now? Oh, I like that. Okay. Worth—it's what you're made of. It's the depth that defines you. It goes so far beyond the things we see, or even the inner parts we know from connecting with one another. Worth is your innermost being, the part deeply founded in humanity and womanhood. But notice I said I want you to realize your worth. I am not seeking for you to earn, or be, or do. Realize it, see it, sense it, taste it, grasp it. Your worth is already there. Your worth has nothing to do with other people, mistakes, or circumstances. Your worth is not increased or reduced by others or the difficult things you experience in life. So where is your worth found? Well, it's found in many places, but here's two that I I think are important for us to talk about today. First of all, your worth is found in grace. We live, we all live, with the deepest, most innermost grace that sustains us. Whether you believe, as I do, that this grace comes from God, or whether you believe this grace is simply a part of humanity, this grace is at the root of people and as women. This grace means there is nothing you could do or go through that could take away your worth. This grace means that no matter what, there is always another option. There is always a way out. There is always hope and resilience because this grace that is so deeply known by all human beings sustains you. Women have incredible pressure to perform. You all know that. Whether in the role of mother or wife or coworker or friend or executive or something else, we carry a lot of roles and wear a lot of hats. We carry the weight of our families, our friends, our colleagues, and sometimes even our world on our shoulders. We feel deeply. We wish to solve problems for the people we love and the world we live in. But we can't always fix it. And that's where grace comes in. Grace says it's okay not to finish every small race in life. Grace says it's okay not to be number one or solve every puzzle on our own. Grace sustains our worth. A second place where worth is found is in having a unique story. And as I said, I've always been so impressed by the women who stand here and share their stories. Each and every one of us has a unique story. As the influential women of ACB have stood here before you in years past, sharing their stories, I stand here to remind you that you have your own story. It might not feel big. It might not feel significant. But it is, because it's you. It's your story of realizing your worth. It's your story of struggle and grace and resilience, whether you finished a challenge or are in the middle of it right now or about to begin. And I would not be able to empower you as much without sharing my story, or at least a piece of it today. This is not the easiest thing to do, I'll admit, but it is made far easier knowing that all of you have stories that can be shared and should be shared. If I can empower even just one of you to think about your story and share it someday at your own time and your own pace, well, that's my goal. As many of you know, I grew up as a cancer patient. My brain tumor caused my vision loss along with epilepsy and other health problems. But I I grew up in a seemingly normal life, or at least as normal as possible. I had two loving parents who are still married today. I had a wonderful older brother. That's hard to admit. Uh, Nobody tell him. Although he drove me nuts at times, he was still the best big brother a girl could ever ask for. I was best friends with my grandparents still am with my grandma, and was very well accepted in social circles. Although, yes, I too was teased like everyone else. But when I got to college, everything changed. I thought I had been through the hardest parts of my life. I had beaten cancer, for goodness sakes. But my sophomore year of college, I experienced something that didn't just challenge me. It ripped the core of my innermost being and I lost sight of my worth. I went on a date with someone I knew very well, and by the end of the night, I was date-raped. I won't go into details, but I will share that I was drugged and raped in my dorm room, mainly because I refused his sexual advances prior to the rape. I My no did not mean no that night. So I thought I lost my worth. See, I, I bottled up that night and hid it away. And after consult- see, after consulting with a detective and counselor, who both blew me off and said it was my word against his, I hid it away. The justice system, my school, and the few people I told failed me. And I thought hiding it away would be better because I could move on, and I kind of did. I moved on to finish undergrad and went to law school. But somewhere along the way, it festered. It grew, and it exploded into most of my adult life years, where I thought I lost my worth. I started questioning my decisions that night, and every night, was my skirt too short? Did I flirt too much? Was it my fault for going out with him? Now, let me be clear, there is Nothing anyone can do that justifies sexual assault or abuse. There is no dress or flirtatious comment that ever makes that okay. But looking back on my situation, I didn't wear a short skirt and I didn't flirt much and I, I didn't make a poor decision to go out. I was excited to go out. I was happy to try something, and I said no. But see, that's where this whole worth thing gets us into trouble sometimes. We base our worth so on so many things we do or say that we can easily think we lose our worth when things don't work out. But the reality is that we can do everything right and still get hurt but our worth is still there. I never really lost my worth. It was there the whole time. I lost my way, but I did not lose my worth. I battled PTSD for years throughout law school because I finally cracked under the pressure I created for myself because of this experience and not getting help sooner. But when I cracked, I started to speak up. I finally told my parents and got support for my PTSD that I needed to live the fullest and happiest life I could live. And in doing so, I realized my worth. I realized that I was still the same important person I was before that night in my sophomore year. And I was even stronger because of what I went through. I realized that I had purpose beyond what I experienced. As I close, I want to share um, some of the um, ways uh, that you can sort of find your worth again. Remember, it's there, but you need to look for it. And if I, I can empower you to even use one of these tools, then I'm very happy. One way is that you can recognize that this is a daily gig. You must realize your worth every day, and sometimes even more than that. The world is going to challenge your sense of worth. You must fight back every time. Now that may sound exhausting, so let me get to number two. You don't have to do it alone. Find people who recognize your worth for and with you. Surround yourself with those people. If you are at a place where this seems too hard, it probably is too hard to do it on your own. So find people who show you your worth for and with you. A third way is to fake it till you make it. It's true. I remember learning this whole concept of reframing my thinking. And I went, are you kidding? This idea that I could change my thoughts to something maybe I didn't actually believe about myself, but I wanted to believe about myself, whoa, that shocked my brain. But reframing your thoughts turns the negative thoughts about yourself into positive ones. You can reframe your thoughts and eventually you believe those truths about yourself and not the lies that you tell yourself. And I also want to note that it's still important to feel guilt of things that we do wrong, the mistakes that we make. But the thing is, we so often turn that into shame. And we so often don't just feel feel sorry for the things that we mess up, and then we don't forgive ourselves and we turn it into shame. And that's weight that you don't have to carry. So a fourth thing going off of that is to reframe the things you tell your self um, into truthful things. So instead of I am a failure, say "Hmm, I messed up on this or this didn't go the way I planned. Instead of I am ugly, say I am a beautiful created person who can work on tighter abs or smaller arms or all of the above. A fifth way is to grieve what wasn't. Grieve the things that never happened. It will free you. But also, number six, grieve what is. Because sometimes it doesn't work the way you thought it would or hoped it would. And when you give yourself space to grieve both what wasn't and what is, it will rebuild your resilience. Number seven, forgive others and forgive yourself. Don't carry anything else. Your load is already enough. Forgiveness is for you, not necessarily for them. And it doesn't necessarily mean restoration. It means restoring your soul. And finally, share your story. It is freeing and it is resilient and it gives you the opportunity to empower someone else. So thank you so much for allowing me to share my story I hope and pray that this will empower you to do the same someday. You matter. You are worth it. You are worthy. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Sarah. And thank you uh, to both of our speakers. Let's give them both a great big hand again. This is, this is just great. It is uh, 8 o'clock. We do have um, some time for questions. Um, if anybody has any, we could what we could probably do is have both of them uh, come back up here, and we can have about maybe uh, 10 minutes for questions if anyone has any. Kathy and Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your stories. And they are
4: so powerful. And you are awesome women. Is there any way we can get a text of your speeches? I really like your steps. And uh, I want to share them with the patients that I work with at Patton State Hospital in California.
6: me to Go ahead. Okay, sure yes I'd be happy to um if well, how should we do that should we email it to someone that would disperse it to other people what's the best way to I don't actually know yes Yeah, I think I have your contact info. I will, I will send it to Mary Ellen, and she can disperse mine, and Kathy, can you? Yeah.
3: Actually, uh, I have not wrote my speech out. Oh. I, uh, I uh, can write out uh, some of it, and I can make it available. G- uh, good morning. I
5: have a question for Sarah. Um, this is Pam Metz. As I am very much a loner. People think I'm not, but I'm not, I am. So how do I go about letting people in enough to understand who I am and what, because I, I understand, I know my own self-worth. Mm-hmm. But people think because I'm a learner, a lo- learner, Lord Jesus, <laughs> I am tired. A loner that I don't allow people in. How do I go about doing that?
6: Well, um, first I would say it's your choice whether you let people in. And, um, you know, I, I think um, y- if you are comfortable with your worth, you don't necessarily have to let people in that you don't want to let in. I mean, it's your choice. Um, but I do think having, you know, at least some um, aspect of community is really important because um, even if you know your self-worth now, uh, I think it's easy to lose that from time to time and it might surprise you and so you know that doesn't have to be a whole giant group of people it could just be one person and it doesn't necessarily have to be um, a family member or a friend it could be a counselor it could be just just someone I I think having that community and that sort of um, backup for when life uh, makes us crazy I think um, I think that's very valuable good morning
4: Kathy and Sarah. This is Judy Jackson. Kathy, <coughs> I want to thank you for sharing um, that empowerment. I, too, was a swimmer, and and you're absolutely right, that feeling of empowerment when you can do something on the same playing <coughs> field. <coughs> Excuse me, I swallowed wrong a little bit ago, and I'm, I was coughing a lot. <coughs> um, but that's that's so true, and um, thank you so much for, for sharing that, and and vocalizing what I've thought uh, for a long time. Sarah, I can't <clears throat> thank you enough for being so vulnerable and sharing your story that I know had to be immensely difficult to get to the place where you could share it as <clears throat> eloquently um, as you did and and absolutely with such grace. Thank you for that. And, and thank you for being so vulnerable to us this morning. Mary Lynn from Ohio. A Question for Sarah with all that has been in the news later about women who have had experiences like yours What was your decision on whether you? Took action or chose not to for the person who did assault you.
6: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um Well, I stand by the belief that is always the survivor's choice as to whether or not to report Um, I yeah, I, I think a lot of people would challenge that, but you know, when you're in, you know, a, a, that point of of being traumatized, and um, you know, you you just can't judge that, and and you you can't, and we can't judge where that person is at, and you know, a lot of us know about the criminal justice system and that it doesn't support survivors very well, and and I I completely empathize with those who don't report. Um, I I did report but it got blew off and you know, I I just think that And I didn't push it further because I was 19 and scared and didn't want to open things up and didn't want to have to testify against Someone and I mean, it's terrifying and I I do want to empower women to report if they if they can if they have that capacity if they feel you know that that would help them, but it's about their journey It's about what makes them the most resilient. And for some women, that means to report, and for others, it doesn't. I
1: have a question. Oh, wow. (laughs) I held my hand up, and the mic was put in it. I didn't see her. Um, Sarah, your speech was incredible. You should take it on the road. Um, So... On the subject of um, reporting, um, Sarah, do you think that your blindness is one of the reasons that they blew you off? I think there's a lot of um, misconceptions in our world that make people with disabilities and people who are blind um, portrayed as not credible witnesses. And it's um and, and and we can't describe often we can't describe the people who assault us and um so we when we feel the weakest is when we need to um advocate for ourselves. Mm-hmm. so how would you advise people to go about convincing? the authorities that were credible witnesses?
6: Um, So I would say in my situation, I don't think it was because of my visual impairment because I I did know the person, so I definitely knew who it was. But um, I I think it's a huge problem. Um, As an attorney, I know it's a huge problem. You know, when we're choosing witnesses, we want someone who can talk about what they saw. I mean, it's just, it's a lot easier to convince, say, a judge or a jury. Um, when you have that, but I I think there's great value in in um, Talking about our other senses. I mean we can hear we can feel like we know you know who people are and I think um, I think it's an unfortunate part of our criminal justice system that we don't uh, that we put so much emphasis on site um, but I think the more that we educate um, about how we um, get information Uh, the better because I I don't think that um, someone who is blind um, has any less information in that situation than someone who's sighted.
2: Sarah and Kathy, um,
6: this is uh,
2: Donna from Pasadena. And, um, you know, Sarah, again, I thank you for sharing your story. And I know there are a number of women in here as was shared by both who have their story. Um, As a survivor uh, myself um, you know the system is is definitely uh, sometimes not in our favor um, the question to report not to report to continue forward um, know that regardless of what happens um We all take different roads through that journey, and it's all okay because we're all here today. Um, And and again, both of you, thank you so very much um, for sharing part of your journey with each of us. And uh, everything definitely makes us stronger and the people that we are today. And I want to thank all my sisters in this room for being here every year. We all share at different tables. And I hope that this never goes away. Thank you.
5: This was definitely worth getting up for. I'm <laughs> uh, this is Zelda, and, and I, I just, this is a must when I come to convention to come to the Sister Power Breakfast. Breakfast. Um, it always leaves me feeling better and more empowered. So thank you both for sharing. Um, Kathy, I just wanted to ask you, as I, I sometimes lose my focus and become kind of um, tunnel vision, so to speak, as far as, as getting something, how did you balance? A full-time job and, and, and full-time responsibilities as a student. Uh, I know you said that you, you did so, um, granting yourself a little little door out, you know, uh, spending the half an hour or whatever. but maybe you could share just a little bit more uh, about your focus and, and goal setting or whatever it, it was that, that empowered you to do that.
3: Sure. So, my husband says I had an affair with my computer. (laughs) (laughs) It it definitely, uh, it definitely is a hard balance. Um, It takes a lot of, um, you know, a lot of discipline, but it also takes the communication with loved ones to be able to, uh, to do that I uh, so I and I actually was um, during that time period I also changed jobs and so forth so or I uh, had a promotion and I gave you know, I would give myself permission for example not to work on my dissertation for six months when I started a new job um, I then i for goal-setting one of the things I did, it's about managing time, and it's about what sometimes you choose to do and not to do. I did not watch much TV during that time. I didn't go to the movies, um, because I knew that I was pretty focused. And I, I actually committed to spending 20 hours a week on working on my, uh, my studies, my doctoral studies. And to be able to accomplish that, uh, at the beginning of the program one of our instructors said set a goal for each week and if you don't meet that goal you will have to do it and so for me my, go- my goal was that if I was not able to uh, um, to so I'm a, I'm a Democrat if I was not able to make the 20 hours a week I would have to write a check for $20 to the Republican Party <laughs> and and the other part of it is that i had to share that with others so any time that i felt that i was tired or i didn't want to do more then my my husband or my mom or my friend would say oh where's that checkbook now I have to say, my mom's a Democrat and my dad's a Republican, so I grew up with quite an interesting family experience. And when I shared my, I shared this goal, my dad said, well, I don't get the point. (laughs) Uh, So I think it's, you know, it's whatever that is for you to identify, to help reach, you know, to, to move forward on that goal. But it does take a lot of balancing, and it's ta- you know, and so I would actually say, I can go to this function for an hour and, and spend quality time for that hour with folks, but I, w- I need to spend an- the other hour, the next hour doing something else. Um, and it's a you know, it is a give and take, and as I said, it is communication, and it's uh, setting out what those different steps are, that will, those baby steps, as I said, to reach that long-term goal. And to remember that each day gets us a day closer. Uh, and each month gets us a month closer. If you're thinking about you want to do something, but you're holding off because you don't have the time, because you know it's um, going to be a lot of work, if you start today, next month, you'll be one, one month closer than if you don't start today.
0: All right, and with that, we're gonna have to stop. But we wanna thank both of our speakers again, and thank you so much for coming, all of you, to our Sister Power Breakfast. Thank you. Enjoy your day.